You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. So I'm going to start with a passage before we pray. So first we're going to read a passage. Actually, it's from John, and it's a perfect example of identity. So let's look at this real quick. Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During the supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which he had, <clears throat> which he had uh, was girded. This is a supreme act of humility because he was so secure in his identity. He was so, he, because of his security with the Father, he could completely fill his position as servant, as a humble servant. So let's, as we think about our identity, <clears throat> and as we come to know our identity, let us be reminded for the purpose of our, us coming into our identity in Christ, is so that we can freely and completely serve. So Father, we're going to ask that today that you bring the Holy Spirit into our hearts and ears. We ask that we hear you. And we come to hear you and we know you and we come to know you when we respond to you. And we ask this day, Lord, if there's something that seems a bit confusing or not completely clear, that you come to us over and over and clarify for us. You become that source. You, you let others speak into us. But we ask you, Lord, never stop speaking. Let her, never let us stop hearing. We love to hear from you, Lord. We love your word because your word is power and your word is life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Actually, in that passage, the key there is looking at verse 3. It says, Jesus knowing. It's, it's wasn't, there, that's a knowing that's so deep in him, nothing could shake it. Because he knows that the Father had given all things into his hands. So, if it seemed confusing or silly for him to wash feet, his identity was so secure that you couldn't shake him. Now, how many of you have ever thought, if I do that, I'll really look kind of silly, even though it was God's will? And if you haven't, then you haven't heard God's will, because he asked you to do some silly stuff. So, it, but let, let's not miss that point. The point, the reason we're studying our identity is so that we can flow naturally from grace to service. That we can flow naturally into a humble place in the kingdom where we do kingdom work. So let's review last week real quick. We learned about our identity is completely tied to Jesus. Everything about the kingdom, both now and to come, we have to now view through the lens of the kingdom how we see him. His humanity, his death, his resurrection and ascension radically and 
permanently changes us. Jesus' story becomes our story. As we're transformed from glory to glory, we rise up more and more into the age to come. We know that Jesus breathed new life into the apostles after the resurrection. We just prayed into that. But that gave new birth. We're no longer in Adam. We are in Christ. And so we've been transported from one kingdom to another. A people of the end age that must live in the current age. So we're end age people. So we discussed that the old is dead and we're new creations. And when I say the old is dead, it's not just been remodeled. We tore the house down and built a new house. The trouble is we still live in the same tent. So now to appropriate that, remember we, we talked about five steps. The first step was revelation. This is something that must be revealed. It's, you cannot learn your identity. It must be revealed because it's too crazy. It's too outstanding for us to really to study it. And then we come to know it. And knowing is truth. And truth is defined as reality through God's eyes. Now we can see truth by looking through God's eyes. We see things through God's eyes. And that moves us into believing. And that becomes faith in action. That was step three. So we've got, first we have the revelation. Then we know it. it it's in us. We know it. We know it. Then we believe it and become faithful. From there, Paul uses the term that we can count on or counting, it's kind of an accounting term, but we, I like the word, we have our self-awareness, our self-expectation starts to change. We know something has about us is now different. Sometimes we won't fully understand what it is, but we know something's different. And then, then we'll progress. And then after that point, after the point of self-awareness, after the point of our faith is moving us to action, then we can, we can totally surrender ourselves. And remember we said last time, if you surrender first before you have your identity, it becomes a surrender of works or obligation. Then I quit drinking because everybody in the church will yell at me. Instead of Jesus saying, I love you so much. Stop this, you're really hurting yourself. I want you and your family to be healthy a whole different place where I start changing. I was telling the group, I was over at Office Max and a real young girl came to me and, she, and I, I, was, I don't know why, I was looking at pens and stuff and she goes, are you a pastor? I said, well, pretty close. I said, I'm a, sell, I'm a manager over at Andy Moore Volkswagen. Uh, then I told her I was studying to be a pastor. I asked her why and she goes, I don't know, something. I just thought you might be a pastor because because." I know I should probably go to church, but man, there's so many rules. I've got to give this up. I've got to give this up. I've got to give... And I started laughing. And I said, you know, you ever heard of Peter? And she goes, yeah. He did the same thing. He goes, Jesus, I've given up everything for you. Golly, I had to do so much. And Jesus kind of laughed. I said, I thought the same thing too. That's what hindered me. I go, how about this? Jesus says, I want you to live life abundantly. She didn't know that. I said, the, one of his first things he tells new Christians, every spiritual blessing has been poured out upon you. Everything. He holds nothing back. 
And she was just shocked. Now, I was all the way on the west side, so I told her to go up to Schoolhouse Road and go up and see a vineyard up there and see Tony Portell. But, and I, actually, I was joking. I, I gave her my number. I hope she calls. Because I told her, I said, go in there. Someone will be a greeter. And you go, I want to meet Jesus today. Where do I sit? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyway. All right. Now, we talked about a lot of things. Now let's talk about the transformed life a little bit more. Let's talk about our walk in the Spirit. And probably the, the best place in the Bible for this is chapter 8 of Romans. It, here's what Paul does. He spends seven chapters building up the identity of a Christian. From the beginning of, of being a terrible sinner all the way up to the, here we are. And then he starts in chapter 1 and says... Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know, that's an, that's an internal statement. No, no, never, ever condemnation. You'll never be condemned again. I think that's just, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law must be fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who are, who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And if, Christ is in, if Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead dwells in you, who, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But... If, by the Spirit, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our, with our spirit that we are children of God, and if God, if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Indeed, indeed, we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified in him and with him. That was a lot to read right there. So let's slow down a second. We look at the very, very beginning. It says, because we are justified, we're made righteous, we're reconciled, and we have union with Christ. We are forever without condemnation. Forever. The good news brings us total liberty from condemnation. How many times do we condemn ourselves? 
How many times have we let others say, oh, I thought you were a Christian? Man, that's like a knife in it sometimes, isn't it? There is no condemnation for those in Christ because you know who you are in Christ. This is what your walk in the Spirit is like. Then verse 3 and 4, it says, Jesus has done more than just purchase our legal justification. He has broken the power of sin. This is so, and these are really powerful verses. Because of our new crucified and risen nature, we have been crucified and risen in Christ, we have the power to live holy lives. Our obedience comes from the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And we engage joyfully. We, we obey him because we love him and we are empowered to do so. How many of you have read those verses and you thought, oh gosh. It says, if you love me, you will obey me. And we go, oh gosh, I didn't obey this week. I must not even love him. I'm in trouble. No, what he's saying is, if you love me, you will be able to, and you will be empowered to, and it will flow from you to love, to obey me. It's a different pattern. We're, we're putting the cause and the effect backwards. So this is what that's talking about. So when you read those passages of, if you are in me, this will be how you act. It's because that's what's going to flow from you. If you're in me and you're an apple tree, you will produce apples. So what will happen is, and we were joking about this earlier this morning, how many times have you seen an apple tree going like this? i got to make an apple. It blossoms. Blossoms turn to fruit. It's natural. An apple tree makes apples. It's not a... It's who they are. That's who we are. So let's not lose that. So four through eight. It's letting us know that this is not automatic. There's going to be a battle. Okay? We must engage in the Holy Spirit to constantly deepen our understanding and to transform our minds. The transformation of our mind is not the loss of an argument or the winning of an argument. The transformation of our, our mind is, is the Holy Spirit moving into us and giving us the revelation of truth of God. And that's how our minds are transformed. I've never met a Christian that said, I came to Christ. Boy, I lost that argument bad. He said, I came to Christ because I saw something, saw something in someone, something came over me, there, there was all these other descriptions, but I've never heard the guy that said, I was on Facebook, and man, that guy converted me. He, I mean, spent too much time arguing on Facebook. Okay. Now, verse 9 through 11, everyone here that has been reborn, we can share in this claim. This is such a, wow. The power of resurrection is in you. The same power, there's a song there, that rose him from the grave is in you. That you will triumph. You will triumph over the old man and the new man will walk in Christ. And that walk is eternal. You have triumphed in the resurrection and you are now immortal beings. Your body, even when it goes into the grave, will come back later. But you know 
And if, you're, you have, if you have trouble with that, you know your spirit's immortal and in union with God. But yes, your body's immortal too. Then 12 and 13 actually is the first time we get a command. He says, take responsibility and do it. It's, he said, you owe it. It's an obligation to kill the old self. Because of all, it's an obligation to yourself to, to, to bring yourself to the, the, the best you can be. It's like an, how many people here go to gyms or, or exercise? Quite a few of you. It's, that's an obligation. You owe it to yourself. Because your longevity affects your family, your everything. You owe it to yourself. That's what he's saying here, okay? So, I, I really want you to hear this because as you know who you are in Christ, then all of these commands are really like encouragement. They're in, be enthusiastic. It's like a coach. Some of us have all played sports. Oh, no, not all of us. I know you played baseball. When a coach starts to, to jump on you, 95% of the time, if he's a good coach, 95% of the time is because he expects more out of you because you have more in you. So when Paul is saying, don't, don't do this, do this, it's because he knows you're empowered to be there. When he says, don't drink, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, he knows that you know what that's like. To have been filled with the Holy Spirit and that comparison becomes so radically clear to you, you're like, wow, you're right. You want to blow your mind to get filled with the Holy Spirit. So, I mean, that's, that's really the message of, of how he's talking about. He's exhorting you and he's saying these things. So, when you look at Ephesians, three chapters, all of it's telling you who you are. Three chapters telling you how you need to walk in it. He, that Romans, seven or eight chapters, and he's got some other theology in there. Then, then it's about from, then from that point on, it goes in how to, how to walk in this. We really have to look at this and say, they're constantly reaffirming to you over and over what seems to be the impossible. And Jesus is saying, that's the ordinary. That's the new you. That's, that's why Derek Murphy says, you're a new species. It's, by the way, Derek Murphy, if you don't know who he is, he's a theologist that, that runs the, the, almost all the education now within the vineyard. He's a uh, South African theolo theologian. I actually had a chance to, t to get with him this, this week. All right, now, 14 through 17. This is really big. I want you to pause and really read that from 14 to 17. It says, for all those being led by the Spirit of God. So now, here he has the Holy Spirit is drawing us into our identity with Christ. In our union with Jesus, we are freed and given peace while being adopted as sons. When you, the Holy Spirit witnesses, I mean convinces us. The Holy Spirit gets deep into us to make sure we really come to an understanding and knowledge that our intimacy and our love for the Father is so deep that we can call him dad or daddy. That's what Abba comes from. That was the aromatic phrase for daddy. This is a picture of you and I joining Jesus at his baptism. I'm going to flip to one other verse real quick. I want you to look at this and see the comparison. 
It says, I'm going to go to Luke 3. Now when all the people were baptized, Jesus was also baptized. And while he was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came out of heaven and said, You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. Now, now take that picture. Now there you are, in Christ. The Holy Spirit has led you into a relationship and, and has led you into the Father where he says, call me Daddy, because in you I am well pleased. You are bound to him so tightly and so wonderfully. This is really who you are in Christ. So, this is going to lead us now into our next area. Now, we're reminded that we shared in the resurrection of Jesus. We, we, we have shared in his death and his resurrection. We also share in his, in his ascension. And that's really, because uh, we, we're, no, we're, you know, we're no longer in Adam, we're in Christ. And so as Christ is and his identity, that's where we are. And this is almost complicated, but we have to listen kind of carefully. Since we are in Christ in his ascension, it follows that we already ascended into glory with him. And I thought this was almost getting out there. So I contacted, that's where I was saying, I contacted Derek Morphew. He gave me more verses. He said, not only is that true, it's the biggest mystery that most Christians miss. And he said, almost every Christian that finds this is so tra totally transformed, nothing will change him back because they go off the wall. And I said, no, kidding, okay. He goes, you figured that one out? I said, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to look at a couple of verses. Let's start with Hebrews 2, and that's going to be verse 10 and 11. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Now, anytime something is brought to glory, that means bringing to the presence of the Father in glory. It was fitting that God... For whom through all, through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Now the word pioneer here means the first one. So you think about you know the West was settled, the pioneers were the first ones. So Jesus is the pioneer. He's the trailblazer. He's the first one to set the path. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. We are made and moved into glory through Jesus Christ. Now, you say, well, I don't feel too glorious. We are covered in the righteousness of Christ. And in that covering, God the Father sees us as glorified new creations in his Son. And so... This concept of brothers and sisters comes in the adoption of the family. So, we're going to be transformed. We're moving. Our patterns are changing. But don't lose this point. You are covered with Christ and are looked upon as a son of God. Remember I mentioned in John? John just thinks that's crazy. He even says, he talks about how he lavishes with grace and lavishes with this to be named, that we have the opportunity to be called sons of God. And the next verse is, and that you are. 
like, I still can't believe this. He's, he's, it, uh, he wrote that when he was like 97 years old. When you think about that, after all he's seen, he saw the risen God, but that part still just knocks him out. Okay. Now, since Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, as high priest over all, our destiny is in him, and it signifies where we are. Let's go to chapter 12 in Hebrews. That's a power. This is one of those famous, famous, famous. There's a lot written on this one. Uh, chapter 12, 22 and 24. But you have come. Notice the tent. You've already there. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the myriad of angels, to the great assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled, registered, in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. You have entered the city of the living God, the place of God, with thousands of angels, who along with all the other registered members of the assembly, the heavenly citizenship under God, under Jesus, were celebrating before God. Picture this great celebration. We've been anointed by the blood of the eternal covenant. Anointed. The sprinkling is the anointed. Covering is different. That's when we become born again. The sprinkling is the anointing. Remember the high priest would sprinkle the blood and anoint and purify everything. You have been sprinkled and purified by the blood of Jesus. That has made you important, purified, holy instruments in the kingdom to do kingdom work. You are so different than what most of us think we are of ourselves. And it says it's so much better than Abel because the blood of Abel was saying, when, when will I have my revenge? When will justice be done? And Jesus is saying, it has been done in me. Jesus' blood screams forgiveness. Come to me as, as brothers and sisters. What a difference that is. It's a, it, it is night and day. I think a couple of weeks ago, I think I talked about how Jesus, when he rose from the dead, how everyone probably thought, uh-oh, he's going to get his just revenge. And that didn't seem like real good news to a lot of people. And, but he said, no, I'm here to save you. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to give you life. I'm not making bad people into good people. I'm taking dead people and making them alive. And so the, the picture is totally different. Let's look, if you look at Romans chapter 8, it says, for, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he glorified. You, you, you are to be conformed to the image of God. Exactly the way we were constructed in, from the very, very first days. Day six to be exact. <laughs> we, we, we have to see that Jesus has done this in us already. Glorified is past tense. It's done. You are glorified in the ascension 
and he clearly has in mind here, because he goes into further, about being with him at the right hand of the Father. There's no other place that makes it more clear, I don't think, than Ephesians. Chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses 4 and 6. It says, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love which he, in, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're with him. Physically, our bodies are on the earth. I'm not, I'm not, now we know that John and we know that Peter and, and uh, we know that Paul said that they were translated into heaven. And they, said, and they weren't sure if they were bodily translated or not, how, how it happened. But, but it's amazing, you read all three of these apostles have been transported into heaven. And Jesus is saying, heaven is open to all of us. Now, he, his presence comes to us, and that is heaven also. But the complete... Now, don't get me wrong. I'll get to that in a second. But I, and Here's what Derek Morphy told me. He goes, read John. John even goes crazier. Because you just read one of them. So, we're going to look at John starting in chapter 14. We're going to look at 10, 20, and then 23. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. He's saying, don't you see that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? And I'm not speaking this. The Father flowing through me is the one doing the work. And we're going, yeah. Because you're Jesus, you're Son of God. Yeah, I guess so. But then he goes on. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now the equation, A equals B, B equals C. It's all connected. That Jesus is telling us the relationship that I have with the Father through eternity in John 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. The word with God means face to face, eye to eye. And so he's saying that the relationship that, that he has with the Father, now in Christ, he has with us. And that we're bound now in the Trinity. He goes further in 23, and Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. That's going back to what we're talking about. You'll be empowered to do so. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode in him. You will live where I live, is what God is saying. I will be where you live. The two are inseparable. And you're going to come with me when I move, and when you move, I'll go with you. And you're going to see the move of the Holy Spirit constantly. And you will recognize it, and you'll know I am your God, and you are my people. And this is going back to the Old Testament. He kept saying that over and over again. I am your God. You will be. Then it finally goes in, in, in Revelation. It says, I am your God. Not I will be your God. And you are my children or sons. So, but then you just read chapter 17. Let's look at 20 through 26 real quick. 
It says, I do not ask of these alone, but for those who also believe in me through their word, that they may be one, uh, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you. And these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them. And they will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them and I in them. This is the end of the age language. But not the second coming. He's speaking to the ascension and to the later outpouring of the Holy Spirit in us. The way that the Father and the Son will be in the disciples will be by the coming of the Holy Spirit when Jesus returns to the Father. And I will be with them and they will be with me. And therefore, you should understand that our fellowship in the Trinity is complete. And our place in the Trinity is far more than reserved. It's occupied. We're there. And made real by the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I have a place reserved for you. Then when he rose and ascended, that place became occupied. We are in Christ in heavenly places. Peter says, you have taken on the heavenly nature. And this is, I know this is hard. And I'm not advocating the end time has already come. Please don't make that wrong. Don't mess this up. I'm not saying the end time has been consummated. My body testifies to this. My pain testifies to it. And quite frankly, so do our tears. Because the evil has, is still ravishing in the world. We know the end time hasn't come. We also know that we're in a battle for this. We're in a battle to hold on to this. This is not without, without a fight. The evil one has not just sat back and go, whoops, Jesus won that one. The battle rages. And it rages in our bodies and it rages in our communities and it rages in our consciousness many times because we see pain and we see hurt and we say, where's God in the middle of all this? And God's saying, look for me. Use the eyes I now have given you and you'll see it. And... What I am advocating is that we're children of God more than just by title. We, are, we have an active father in our lives. Any of you whose fathers are still alive and you had a good relationship with them, I hope that it makes sense to you. Those of you who have had a distance from your father and you're not sure, I just hope you can get a concept through the Holy Spirit of what it's like to have that paternal covering of you, of someone that really cares everything about you. And not all relationships are perfect. My father recently passed away. Our relationship wasn't perfect. The only time he ever saw me run track was when I ran the state track meet. He didn't go to the districts, the regionals, or any of those. He was too busy. That's just the way it was. But our relationship changed over time. But I'm saying it's 
your spiritual dad is there with every step you take. Your spiritual dad wants to know, why aren't you feeling too good today? And you can talk to him. And he responds. That's what's so incredible. You know, I'm going to pick one other verse. And, and this one was I, I got from Brian Simmons, you know, who wrote the Passion Translation. And, and this was important to him. It's, it's very short. It's uh, John 1, 51. Do you remember when Jesus was getting his, his disciples? He goes up to Nathaniel. Nathaniel's the one that said, what good thing ever came out of uh, Nazareth? Remember, okay, that's Nathaniel. And Nathaniel wasn't sure about the whole thing. And, and he was the one who had the dream sitting under a tree. And, Jesus, and, and when Jesus revealed that dream to him, he said, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says this, and he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is important because the word for angel is always messenger. It's never angel. But the translation is always angel if it seems to be something heavenly. And his contention is it's an open heaven which indicates that moving in and out is available to messengers. And he said the direction to him is very, very vitally important. He says, from earth to heaven and back. Not from heaven to earth and then back. And he says because of that, he doesn't believe it's angels. He believes it's those in Christ, his messengers, that can flow naturally to the throne room and back. To revelation and back. Whether it be in our our prayer time, in our dreams, in our ways that Jesus wants to communicate to you. And so, I want to take one more verse. We're almost out of time. You know, here's why I'm using so many verses. I don't want you to think this is just my opinion. I want you to hear God's word speak to you about who you are in Christ. I want God to say, listen to me. I got a whole book full of this. Would you crack it open and listen to some of it. And I'm not, I'm not scolding. This is, it's so exciting to me when I see these things and all of a sudden I reveal them like, I never knew that. That's me in that picture. We just talked about, a, 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 we were reading Corinthians and it said, to the people of the church of God in Corinth and all who call in the name of Christ and believe him as Lord. I went, hold it. He just included me in this book. I'm one of those who call in the name of Christ and believe he is Lord. He just wrote that letter to me. He didn't put a time date on it. So anyway, let's get to this one. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have... A, so notice that big word, have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Remember I talked about the sprinkling. Your conscience, your way of thinking is actually what that means, has been sprinkled clean. You got a new attitude. You have a new way of thinking. Does that mean we never sin? That's crazy for me to say something like that. But how many of us 
after we sin, I mean, it's like as soon as it happens, it's like, oh, we knew we did it. How many of us, we get frustrated, we're sitting in an office and the salesmen are bringing us paperwork and it's incomplete. We go, ah, oh, gosh, there I go again. That was a great witness. You know, we know it right away. It's sort of like when you've knocked something over on the table and before it hits the floor, it's like, ah. That's what happens when we sin. And also what happens is we become acutely more aware of our sins. So now it seems like we sin even worse. Because stuff we never paid attention to, we realize, oh, that's really not a cool thing. So that process is continuing. But we have full assurance in our faith to step into the throne room. We are, I love this word, draw near. This means it's, it's, it's something you can't stop yourself from doing. It's like when there's chocolate cake on the table and I'm walking by, I'm drawn near. So, see, this is what he's talking about. That drawing, is that attraction. That's a Holy Spirit power that's pulling you into him in a place of safety and comfort. Because you are clean. You've been washed. You've been purified. As long, all you had to do is come to Christ. I'm going to finish it with one last one. It's really, a, it's going to be my benediction because it's the benediction of, of Hebrews. And in this, this is really a, a revelation of the open heaven. It's a revelation of who God is and the work that God has done. And it starts with the Father. And it doesn't say it, it's, he's called the God of peace. So that peace is an adjective to the main topic. So it's God of peace. Now, how many times you read in the Old Testament, you see it over and over and over, the God of hosts. There you see this army concept. You see the conflict concept. But now it's a God of peace. The God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep. See, the good shepherd will lay his life down for his... But the great shepherd is resurrected. The great shepherd is used very rarely. The great shepherd refers to the ascended Christ. And so that's the difference between good shepherd. Even, our, even Jesus, our Lord. Equip. Now that word equip actually means restore and make ready. It's an, the ancient word would be, if you equipped something, so for example, if you equipped your nets for fishing, it meant you repaired everything and got them ready. We have been restored and, and repaired and made ready. Equip in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. I want you to take the Lord's Prayer for a second. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come. And right here he's saying, thy kingdom came. The kingdom of God has, has landed and the end time has begun. His will be done. He says, and I have fellow governors or fellow regents. I have, I have a myriad of people through whom my will is going to operate. And he has now included you in his prayer. You have now become the answer to his prayer of the Lord's Prayer. 
It is his will working through you with the kingdom of God in heaven, on earth, through you. And then we can, and then as you say, lead us not into temptation. So he's saying, lead me, but protect me. Because he's not going to lead you among nothing but saints. He's going to lead you where the battle is waged. To, to undo the work of the devil. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I'm telling you, you are right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. And you probably never saw yourself particularly that place. And I personally think the daily bread is our daily sustenance of the living bread of Christ. I, I think it's different. I, you know, our brother, how you know, after you say, you know, your will be done on earth as in heaven, I don't think you just want to give us a loaf of bread. He's talking about our daily bread. And that daily bread's going to then carry us into our next phase. It's our daily dose of the, the, the living bread of Christ. The Holy Spirit in us is what's going to motivate us now to move, but led not into temptation, and be delivered from evil as we battle. We are to go and, and become missionaries for Christ. Now, use that word missionary. That doesn't mean you're going to go off to another country. That means you have a, a job to do. That's your mission. And you're going to do it. So if you're a car salesman, your, your mission is to sell a car. So you're missionaries for your dealership. If you work in healthcare, your mission is to treat patients. And so you treat patients. So each of us are, are missionaries in our own fields. Some of our mission is to feed us big old lobsters. But anyway, <laughs> let's take that work with us. And take this word with us. And let's, I, wanna, um, I really thank Michelle because she wasn't able to do it. She put, did all these slides. But she also put the verses in the bulletin. And so if, if you want to re-go through those verses and just rehash through them, they're all in there. So if, if not, if you want my sermon notes, just, just email me and I'll, I'll email them back to you. I haven't erased them yet. So... I have both, both weeks on there, too, if you want me to. So. Let's close in prayer. And as we close in prayer, I want you to be thinking about something. I want you to be thinking about who it is that you can touch. Who it is that you can go to, to this morning. Who is it you can say, Jesus loves you and wants you to know him. And I'm talking about right here in the room. Think of someone in this room. Let the Lord point it out to you. Someone needs an assurance in, that, in their heart. That Jesus is there for them. And that they are really are unique and very special people. That they're so loved, it's beyond measure. And it only the only way that we can ever, ever understand this love, even to a small portion, is through the Holy Spirit. Because the love is so great. And he thinks so highly of us. That we can never come, in, come into a dream of believing that. Father, we just want to thank you that you've revealed yourself to us. We thank you that you created us. And we thank you, Lord, for the very imperfections that drive us crazy. Some are more than imperfections. Some of us have some, some health issues, some things about us. But we're going to ask you to start to attack them. 
Some of us have issues in how we view the world and how we view ourselves. Attack them, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Let me see the fullness of myself in you, Lord. Let me be a reflection of you, but I want to be, I want to be in your image, and I want to be more like you, Lord. And by doing that, I have to transform and become aware of who you are in me and who I am in you. Bring me close to you. Bring me into you. Bring yourself into me. Let us be one. I have the image of a postage stamp on, a, on an envelope that he's sending us, but he's the stamp. He's the one that's moving us, and he's completely attached to us. And he's saying, you're my child, you're my daughters, you're my sons. And I love you madly. I love you so much, I would die rather than see you die. Father, we just love you. We have a couple of people fanning me. I'm going to ask that we pray for her. She's not feeling well. And we're going to ask, Lord, that you come upon her. Strengthen her and give her strength. Put a healing hand. She knows you've never stepped away from her, and she let her know and feel your very presence. We want to give you a thanks, Lord, that we have one family had a little baby that was all sick, and the whole family was sick, and here they are with us today. And we're going to say thank you, Lord. We see miracles. I have a brother that was diagnosed and given a short lifespan that we're going to his 70th birthday party on the 4th of July. He was born on the 3rd. You healed him. And then we're going to visit the grave of my father. You didn't heal him. I don't know why, but we trust you, Lord, because we know you're good, and you're always good. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.